Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sober Town. I am King 13 with you today, and we are going to be talking about a very interesting subject that I know a lot of you actually participate in um, and use in your sobriety. But first, I just want to talk about SoberTownPodcast.com. It's a complete one-stop shop for everything to do with sobriety. Whether you want inspiration, you want to listen to people's stories, you want to find tools for your toolbox, you want to look up all different sorts of resources, it is all there for you. And also, I'm a member of the I Am Sober community, as is my guest today. It's IAS. It's a free app that you can download, and it basically is a counter app that counts your alcohol-free days. And you can get a lot of support there. You can post, you can comment on other people's posts within your timeline and make lots and lots of friends. And that's how I met my guest today. And I just want to give a really warm welcome to her. She's a really, she's an incredible woman who has so many talents, one of which she is a licensed yoga and meditation teacher, and that is Cece. Hi, Cece. Hi, how are you? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. I hear so many of men and women in our community talk about how they start their day or practice sometime during their day meditation in sobriety so tell me a little bit about how you got into it and why this works for so many people okay so I first encountered meditation when I was about 19 years old so about 20 20 years ago um, I was uh, dating someone Uh, this was at the beginning of my uh, university um, career I guess and he had actually spent a lot of his childhood in Asia and he was very into like alternative health practices and he had this uh, wealth of knowledge about like you know meditation and yoga and Reiki and um, you know at the time 20 years ago we kind of might have considered it a little bit hippy dippy. Um, but anyway, um, I was particularly stressed, I think, about uh, some type of assignment. And he had mentioned that he meditates. And I mean, meditation is one of those things where typically you hear the word before you understand what it is. And right. the way that he most simply explained meditation to me was that he sits and he would count his breath. So, mm-hmm. you know, he picked an arbitrary number of a hundred and he would count slowly his breaths all the way up to a hundred. And I was like a little bit skeptical. And I think I sort of experimented with that uh, concept and I'm going to be honest, it didn't really work for me. Uh, most people's first experiences with meditation um, are are usually kind of frustrating because we, we don't really understand what's supposed to happen, how it's supposed to happen, why it's supposed to happen. Um, And we kind of put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So my first experience with meditation was this idea of counting my breaths. And it wasn't until I actually started practicing yoga, which would have been a a year or two later, that I started understanding that the breath has power. Mm -hmm. And um, I started learning how manipulating or changing the breath and how you breathe 
can make your body feel different ways. So if any of you have ever taken a beginner yoga class, whether it's online or in a yoga studio, you're probably going to be introduced to something that is called uh, Ujjayi breath or ocean sounding breath. And it's this really easy technique. And it sounds like the ocean when you're breathing. And it took me a, you know, a while to get this technique down, like, you know, a few yoga classes, but I learned that this breath just really, really, really energized me because my inhales were nice and deep and my exhales were nice and deep and you just felt like invigorated. And then conversely, towards the end of a yoga class, you do something which is called uh, Shavasana, which is corpse pose is what the translation is. And you just lie on your mat and you just breathe softly. And this is relaxing. So all of a sudden things just kind of click that if I modify my breath, I can modify my feeling. And all of a sudden this idea of counting breaths and med like meditation, it kind of circles back in. And so um, why people are meditating, why people have this as part of their self-care practices, I think is because at some point they have realized consciously or, or unconsciously that the breath has a power to aid us in calmness, in relaxation, in, in energy, right? And some people don't realize that the meditation is so centered in the breath. A lot of people are really focused on the idea of like stopping thinking and stuff like that, but it is rooted in the breath, whether you realize it or not. And so it's, and breathing is something that we all have to do. We do it automatically we can't not do it so <laughs> it's an it's a natural process it's a natural thing right and all we have to do is choose to change it just a little bit and then all of a sudden our breath influences our subjective feelings our subjective feelings influence our thoughts right our thoughts slow our body slows like it's it's just this whole uh, it's it, a circle of one thing affecting another. Now, that's beautiful and all well and good. But for someone like me who finds it really hard to slow down, I think you hit it, the nail on the head just before. When For me, meditation was all in my head. I thought it was something that was in my head and because it was a word. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, meditation, what's this meditation? It's the same like when I do yoga, um, I was awful at it because I'd go after work with a girlfriend and I just, I don't know whether I was stressed or whatever, but some of the poses where I couldn't get into them, I'd just laugh. So it was, I mean, I probably spoiled it for a lot of people, to be honest, because it was hard for me to stop. I was in such a high demanding job where I was go, 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 to have to pause and stop. And I read, you know, the, the papers that you did and the articles that you did. And you said it's about stopping and pausing. And for some of us, it's just not easy. No, absolutely. And that's kind of, I can guarantee you, when you say to yourself, I need to stop, I need to pause, I need to stop thinking. I guarantee you that you will think more, you will think harder, you will 
you will get more, you mm-hmm. know, agitated. Um, and that's the problem with, with yoga in meditation is that there has been this stereotype and I, I'm, I'm not going to call it misinformation, but there's been this assumption that we can simply stop and mm. no, we can't, no, you we can't, can't just right. stop. And that's kind of like the first myth that I guess I can debunk here. The, the act of meditation or the act of doing yoga is not determined by your success in this activity is not determined by your ability to stop. It is determined by your ability to accept your thoughts and not fight them. Um, And you'll hear a lot of language like just acknowledge your thoughts. So what the hell does acknowledging your thought mean? And I think the easiest way that I can explain this is a thought very rarely occurs on its own. A thought typically happens as like a spider web. You have, I, I used an example once about when I was teaching yoga beside a grocery store. And yeah, I was going to ask about this, that. Yeah, I read that this, one. Yeah, it was a, um, it was an interesting and challenging um, experience because we all know the grocery store is there. You always need something at the grocery store. And what are you doing? You're making a list. And Mm -hmm. so when I was teaching yoga right beside this grocery store, I knew that at least 80% of my students at any given time were thinking, I need to stop at the grocery store. I need to get milk. I need to get eggs. Mm -hmm. Am I out of brown sugar? And so you see how (laughs) this one thought has now yeah it's gone in separate directions Mm -hmm. so it's not the the thought itself that we're trying to stop what we're we want to do is just acknowledge the thought on its own and see if we can accept it before it expands right into um sometimes it's called like your monkey mind where just you're just darting all over the place right so even if you just have one thought and you acknowledge it and it doesn't expand and then you move on to another thought that's not a bad thing so the idea here is that sometimes when you're meditating it happens all the time i would say it happens at least half of the time that i'm meditating a random thought just pops up Hmm. just you know and i just kind of say okay there it is sometimes Sometimes I elaborate on it and then I'm like, oh, I've just created a story. And then I kind of just sort of dismiss it. I kind of imagine that it's kind of floating down a river and another thought might pop up and I just do the same thing. Oh, hey, thought. See you later. Okay. Um, So the idea is that rather than uh, stopping your thoughts, you're just trying to prevent them from expanding. Okay, because it's when we expand our thoughts and we allow them to keep growing and growing and growing, that's when they overwhelm us. So by saying, hey, thought, or hey, I have to go to the grocery store. I see you. I recognize you. I accept you. Thank you for reminding me that I need to get milk (laughs) and then be on your way and then let it go. Um, And this is not easy. 
like when I'm saying this, it might sound simple, but I am, I want to emphasize that this is a practice, Mm. a meditation practice, a yoga practice and practice always implies that you are working on something. Your meditation practice never stops being a practice. It's always a practice because we're humans and the way that our brains work, they will never shut off like completely. Even the most advanced meditators, I'm sure, have little thought nuggets pop up. But there are certain things that we can do um, that can help these thoughts slow down. We can redirect our attention. And I've already alluded to the breath being a tool, right? So we can do different things with the breath that kind of bring our focus um, elsewhere than our mind. And the other thing that we can do, a very uh, popular and effective form of meditation is that we can use what's called a mantra, which is basically an affirmation. And it is something that you can say over and over again. And in essence, this is my favorite way to meditate is using a mantra. It almost like serves, it blocks the thought almost because some people will say it out loud. Some people will say it um, silently and you can pick anything you want. You can, you can repeat, I am love over and over again. And you can just say that in your mind over and over again for 15 minutes. And when you finish, you'll feel like you were love. But when you're repeating something over and over again, I personally like using Sanskrit mantras. I like not knowing what the words mean or the sounds mean. But what happens is that because you're repeating that, you don't get infiltrated with the thoughts from your own life as often. They do pop up occasionally, but then you just sort of say, oh yeah, sorry, I'm working with my mantra right now. And you just go back to repeating what you're doing. And like anything, when you repeat it enough and enough, it starts to become automatic. It just sort of happens and you might stray away and then you come back and that's how it works. Your success in your meditation is not your ability to stop the thoughts or stop thinking or anything like that. It's your ability to find your way back to whatever stillness you have, whether you're using your breath to help you get there, whether you're using a mantra, whether you're using a guided meditation, whatever you're doing, your success is in your ability to come back. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I love that. I've heard the river analogy before because um, mm-hmm. my mum learned how to sort of meditate and everything. And, and like you said, you just let those, the thoughts are going to always come, but you just let them pass by. You don't actually focus on them and make them more than just that. And you it's like about observer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The active okay. observer. Yeah. And also... It, it sounds to me like a couple of things like mindfulness comes to, mm-hmm. I'm to say my mind, but that's the word mindfulness. And also, you know, it, it's a form of rewiring too, because as you said, whatever you repeat becomes part of us. Mm-hmm. So I know here I've got um, the Hawaiian prayer here, which says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And that was very hard for me to say when I first was sober because mm-hmm. I didn't like myself at all 
And I've practiced and practiced and practiced that. And now I can say it and I'm more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have that resistance that I had initially. And like you said, it might sound easy, but to be able to sit quietly mm-hmm. and let all those things you blame happen, it's not easy. No. <laughs> um, what I used when I first stopped drinking, and this is, uh, I have a sober keychain that I ordered from Etsy, Etsy and I got it um, engraved and I think I've said this many times to some people in the community. I very much clung to the idea that I am choosing love over fear. Mm-hmm. I choose love over fear. Stopping drinking was terrifying. It was so scary. Yeah. And um, so what I was using was I choose love over fear. I choose love over fear, love over fear, love over fear over and over. And this is a concept that's taken from A Course in Miracles. Um, So this is not something I just created. It was something that I learned from from a book, Um, this particular concept of choosing love over fear as being a miracle. And um, I also used, I believe in miracles and a miracle meaning that I chose love over fear. But sometimes saying certain things, especially like our intentions, intentions can be turned Mm. into mantras and affirmations Mm. that we repeat. Like sometimes um, the way that you want to feel like, you know, I want to feel happy. Okay. That's just a simple, like, let's, that's your intention. I want to feel happy. So how do we turn that into something you can meditate with? Well, put it in the present, take it out of the future, right? So I want to feel happy is future oriented. Yeah, it should be I am, shouldn't it? Yeah, I am happy. And that's what yoga and meditation is about. It's about making a connection with the present moment. And in the present moment, the future and the past cease to exist. And so what's happening is that by saying I am happy, right? So what you are allowing yourself to not be stuck in the future or in the past. And what happens, I guess the best way I can explain it is that when I'm meditating or I'm doing a yoga practice or some type of fusion of both, um, I am flirting with the present moment. It is very difficult to just stay and stand in the present moment. Like I said, we have, you know, our thoughts to contend with and stuff like that. And our thoughts often are, are going to be past or future oriented right? Mm -hmm. And we're Mm -hmm. taking these techniques to help us stay in in the present. And so I like to think of my practice as um, flirting with the present. And some days I'm just really good at flirting and other days (laughs) I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have, I think (laughs) sometimes you will realize you will have like this feeling that kind of like washes over you that you like, you're just suspended in maybe time. Like you just feel light. Like I would describe it as a lightness. Sometimes if your eyes are closed, you might like maybe have a brightness behind them, but you'll get this sort of sensation that maybe something's happening. Maybe like you're in the present moment. And then (laughs) what takes you out of it, that moment is when you say, Oh, I did it. I'm in the present moment. 
and then you're immediately out of the present moment. <laughs> so um, that's kind of one of the most challenging things is that we will actively sort of realize when when we've encountered that present moment because it will feel distinctly different, right? Sometimes it just lasts for seconds, right? Mm. I think the longest I've sustained that feeling, and I don't know, cause I wasn't looking at a clock because a clock causes you to think about the past or the future. But I think the longest I sustained a feeling of truly being in the present moment was maybe about two or three minutes. And oh then having other periods and maybe just like five seconds or 10 seconds here and there. Right. And so that's the way that I think about it. It's just, I'm, I'm doing what I can to try to get into that moment. And like I said, I like using um, breathing techniques but I do find, especially for beginner meditators, mm. using the, the mantra or an affirmation will help you so, so, so much. Um, and even if, even if you don't get anywhere near the present moment and you're repeating this mantra, if you say, I am happy 100 times, right? Maybe it didn't help you with your meditation. That's fine. It's totally okay. But you have just said, I am happy 100 times. And that is not nothing because the words I am have energy. The word happy has energy. And that is a positive intention that you are putting out. And so it wasn't all for nothing, right? Even if you don't feel like you had a successful meditation, the fact that you have repeated something positive to yourself, maybe hundred, hundreds of times, that will have an impact on your mental state, how you're feeling. So we need to stop this idea of what, or defining what we think is success, right? And we need to view, um, we need to view success as being on many different levels. It's not one thing, right? It's, I don't really like the word success at all. I'm trying to think of a better word, but we, we need to start thinking of different ways that we can feel like we've done something positive for ourselves in a good way. And it's not just like, you know, one outcome, we can have several different outcomes. So even if I just sat here saying, I am happy for five minutes, you know what, that is something that I did for myself and it is good. It has a positive influence on me and I'm proud of myself for doing that. We need to be gentler with ourselves. That's, I can't believe you've just sort of given me chills there because even before in my drinking days when I had my, my first dog, my Labrador, and I can remember walking, Cooper, and I was miserable drinking and I would walk the dog and I would say, okay, Deb, I'm going to change my thinking. And I would say, I am healthy, I am happy because I was so worried that my liver was going to pack up on me. I thought mm -hmm. I have to talk to my insides and I thought, you sound like a crazy woman, Deb, but just do it. And I would say every day on the whole walk <laughs> to myself, I am healthy, I am happy, I am healthy, just to try and change the mood. And it, I can't believe that you're saying that now because that's, that's exactly a, what I used to yeah. do. It's a walking, that's a walking meditation. See, here's the other thing about meditation is that 
we have this thing in our head where we think that we have to be sitting like, you know, the monks and all that kind of stuff in the, um, you know, the cross-legged position, which most people find uncomfortable. Um, But the truth is, is that achieving a meditative state can be found in basically any position, right? Um, So what you described with your dog um, is like a walking meditation. And I've done tons of walking meditations where I actually um, coordinate my breathing with my steps, depending on how fast I'm walking. So an inhale might be like two steps or three steps. And eventually it gets to a point where you're naturally synced. What happens is um, yoga, what that means, it it means uh, to yoke or to unite to yoke together, to unite. And when we are uniting breath and body, that is what yoga is. And Mm -hmm. that is where the present moment is, right? And so when we can unite our breath with our body, like for example, when we're walking, that is a way of connecting with the present moment, which is a way of meditating, which is a way of practicing yoga. It's the same with certain yoga practices. Um, You can do a meditation in motion. Um, There are styles of yoga that, you know, they are not just like strictly holding a pose for this many breaths, but they're more fluid um, types of yoga where you just kind of move with your breath. Um, So for example, the type of yoga that I first got my certification with is called Kripalu yoga, and it is known as uh, meditation in motion. And we move with our breath. So every time I take an inhale, I move in one way and I exhale and I move in another way. And I just move in whatever way my body feels like moving. I'm not necessarily being strictly, um, strictly adhering to a certain sequence. I'm not necessarily holding a pose for an extended period of time. I move when I want to move. And when I move, I move with my breath right? And so you can have a fluidity like that. And that's also helpful for people like, like yourself that you mentioned, where people like have trouble stopping. Well, who says you can't can't sit still? Yeah, 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 you don't have to stop. Right? Yeah, you can instead choose to say, you know what, I'm going to keep moving. But I'm going to try to see if I can connect my breath with my movement. Right. And what that's going to do is your breath, the quality of your breath is going to improve because you're paying attention to it. And the quality of your movement is going to improve. Um, So we talked about walking, we talked about yoga practice, you can even some people have different opinions about uh, meditating with pets. Or, you know, but you could be like petting your dog in that motion of petting, right? You know, inhale as you're petting down, exhale as your hand moves back to the top of their head. I mean, if you do this, your dog or cat is never going to leave you alone because they're going to want it all the time. <laughs> happiest, happiest pet of but, all time, yeah. Yeah, but you're coordinating. Mm. You are consciously choosing to coordinate your breath in your body. And that's comforting. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen naturally. You, you breathe, you know, all day, you move all day, but making them happen in sync, like at the same time or in a way that feels good to you. So with 
walking, like I said, it depends on your pace, right? If you're walking quickly, if you're walking slowly, and it also depends on your own capacity for breathing. So um, mm. with your breath, sometimes what happens is that we shortchange either the inhale or the exhale. It depends, right? But I guarantee you, when you breathe naturally, you are not breathing equally on an inhale and an exhale. One of them will be shorter or longer. And that's why when you see people that are like panicking, for example, they have a short inhale, like mm -hmm. everything's kind of really short, <laughs> like, you know, something like that. If we try to equalize our inhales and our exhales, then that means that we are getting an equal amount of oxygen into our body as we are dispelling, um, you know, toxins, negative energy, whatever you want to think of it when we're exhaling, right? We're taking in an equal amount as what we're letting out, right? And that's one of the easiest breathing meditation techniques that I can suggest, which is just trying to make your breath in equal length, equal inhales, equal exhales. And when we put that with any type of movement, that's what you want to do. You want to enhance the quality of your breath and to enhance the quality, we need to equalize. Well, you know what? The other one I used to do that was, because um, I'm really good with the short ones, <laughs> the ones where I don't have to sit still, is I would say, you know, positive in, negative out. So yes. the positive was the light. So mm -hmm. I'd imagine the light coming in and the darkness was the negativity and I would release it just going out. There was um, a yoga teacher that I trained with uh, doing yin yoga and his name was Biff Midhofer. Yeah. <laughs> Love this man. <laughs> and that was his actual name. That's and name. he taught us this meditation that uh, he learned from Teach Nahan. And it was breathing in. I am breathing in. That was the mantra on the inhale. Mm -hmm. And on the exhale, breathing out. I am breathing out. So saying what you're doing, reaffirming it as you're doing it, as you're and doing it, yeah. repeating it. So breathing in, I am breathing it, breathing out, I am breathing out. And that meditation for me, that mantra, I learned that back in 2011. So like 10 years ago, that one was the game changer for me because the mantra itself gives you no choice but to be present. And so um, you can modify that. I am breathing in positive energy. I am exhaling negativity. Like you can, you can modify that. I am inhaling light. I am exhaling darkness. Mm -hmm. I am inhaling love. I am exhaling fear. Right. right. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things that you can do here. And so you're probably realizing right about now that it's endless. The options are endless. You just play around until you find something that works for you. Like I said, with my own meditation practice, the breathing in, I am breathing in was the game changer for me when I decided that mantra meditation was what worked best for me. So that's what I started with. But as I continued to practice, I found that I ended up liking um, Sanskrit chants 
or uh, Sanskrit sounds better than English ones. And I discovered this completely accidentally again, because the thing is, is that when we have words, especially in our own language, if I say the word love, we have a million different things that we associate with love. It's a loaded word. And it has the ability to potentially pull you out of the present moment because it might create a, a spider web of a thought because it has that capacity. Uh, same with happiness. You have preconceived notions about what that is. So what I found was that if I used sounds or words that I didn't know the meaning to them, I couldn't create a story. I couldn't create a thought web because I didn't know what it meant. I just happened to find the sound, you know, pleasant. So for example, the most common chanted Sanskrit associated word would be like ohm. And ohm is really great because it like vibrates through your entire like spine. So ohm, it's more about the sound than it is the actual meaning, right? So, um, that's what that's how I continue to practice is that I use a word or a sound or a chant a chant is a little bit longer um it's you know maybe several words long and I just do that in a different language because I find that it helps me uh, from drifting off into a meet a preconceived idea or meaning um but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Again, you want what resonates with you. So the way I do it is not the way that you do it or the way that anybody else does it. You know, move away from this idea of sitting cross-legged, you know, rigidly, um, not moving, mm. stopping the thinking. That's not what it is. So as soon as you move away from that, you can start, you can create your own meditation technique. You can create your own. It's, it's that open. And this, you know, it's like a lot of things, the simplicity of it. We try and make things maybe too technical sometimes or this is very, you know, what you've just described, it makes total sense to me and I can visualise it and I can almost feel it when you're saying it and it's simplistic. It's just like you said, the key word is practice and it might mean those breaths get deeper and for longer depending on your breathing capacity like you said. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in a hypertension state or whatever, but that's, that's that's really good to know. You know, because I was doing some of these things unconsciously. Well, can I can I bring up a, a little story that we have from this? Oh, week? please! I, I'm going to yeah, surprise go. you. Okay, yeah. so um, I uh, I recently made a, a post on the IAS app about how right. I uh, I've started doing my painting by numbers which is something that's right that I used to yes do. and funnily enough I'm doing a paint by numbers of Buddha, Buddha. yeah <laughs> yep yep I remember yeah and you mentioned that something that I always did when I was painting uh, in numbers and something I'm continuing to do now is I will listen to chants and right. all you have to do is really go on Spotify or whatever um and some of the chants I listen to are in Sanskrit. Some of them are in English, but a chant is the same idea as a mantra. It's a repeated uh, word or phrase that's actually set to music. And so I find myself as I'm painting, I'm just kind of singing along. And 
my painting has now become like a meditation for me. So what I had done was um, I was painting and then this one particular chant came on and it was in English. And I think the title of it was I am bliss. And mm -hmm. in it, it had, I am beautiful, I am blissful, I am joyful. It had all of these really lovely um, affirmations. And I felt it like it was very powerful for me. And so I shared it in one of our groups. And it kind of brought up the idea of talking about meditation on the podcast. And you had told me that I you listened had to, listened it. It to it. Yeah, it was and good. You, you said, you know, this meditation stuff, I didn't think that I can do it. But then I was listening to this song and I, I was, was feeling yeah. like I could do it. And okay, you want to know what that means? You like the music aspect of it. Okay, you like chanting. So you want to know what you do? If that song resonated with you, right? you put that on in your earbuds and maybe yeah. you go for a little walk, maybe you lie down in bed and you'll find yourself just kind of singing along. And you might be thinking, well, singing and breathing, you have to be very controlled with your breath to be able to sing. Mm -hmm. So singing and chanting itself, if you'll notice with a chant, they offer you a very good opportunity to take a nice big inhale. They always do, right? And so you actually are timing your breathing with the chant. And so I was so excited when you had said that to me, that you had felt like it had given you some type of uh, connection with like a peaceful presence or whatever it was. And it was that night that I messaged you. And I was like, Debs, I've been, I've been teaching people how to meditate, you know, and they've said the exact same things that, you know, you're saying that you didn't think that you could do yeah. it, but then you just yeah. found something that kind of stuck with you. And that's when I said, Let, let's talk about this a little bit more because you are a classic example about how you accidentally stumbled into something that connected with you. And you probably wouldn't have been searching for chants on Spotify if I hadn't have sent you one. <laughs> it's so true. And that's one of the beauties of this community that because, you know, we support each other in all sorts of ways. And now you've introduced me to something new. And that chant took me to another place it took me to a lighter place I could visualize floating and being somewhere else at peace mm -hmm. and I've never felt at peace in my life <laughs> yeah and, and, and that's, now it's, it's, really it's an accident nice. yeah it, but it's it just a really a, nice one a pleasant accident and it was the same thing with me when breathing and I am breathing in like that just happened out of nowhere you know, um, and so I think that when it comes to meditation is the real challenge of it is letting go of what you think it's going to look like. And it's the same thing with yoga. Let go of what you think your yoga practice is going to look like, because as an instructor of meditation and yoga, the biggest compliment to me as an instructor is when I see a student honoring their own body and their own, their own mind, if you will. 
So if I see a student doing something completely different than what I'm teaching, you wanna know what I'm thinking? I've taught them well. Because if they feel like they need to do something and they are acting on it, that means that they're not allowing that thought to fester in their head. It's like when you're sitting and you're meditating and all of a sudden your head gets itchy, scratch your head, right? Because if you don't scratch your head, you're going to be sitting there thinking that your head is itchy and that if you move, you're ruining your meditation and <laughs> so on and so forth, right? So the biggest service that you can do to your own body and your own mind when you're practicing meditation is to do what you feel. I yeah. shift positions during my 20, I do a 22 minute meditation. Um, I shift positions at least twice during this time period. I often start cross-legged. Sometimes I extend my legs out on my, my ottoman. Um, I practice in a chair. Like I don't sit on the floor. Um, sometimes I lean my legs towards one side. I sit, however, is comfortable for me. Ideally, you want to have an elongated spine. You know, that's good because then the breath can travel nice and freely. But move in a way, sit in a way, be in a way that allows you comfort. Maybe you're propping yourself up with some pillows. Maybe you're sitting against a wall. Sitting in a corner is fantastic because you're kind of supported on both sides. Mm. I used to meditate in a corner all the time. <laughs> so you put your back into the corner and you're just kind of nice and evenly supported. So, you know, just find a way that you're comfortable. None of this should be uncomfortable. You mentioned the word that I think you believe, I believe you said that it was like a natural process or something that's occurring on its own. So, you know, don't try to defy your body by being uncomfortable because you can't be present when you're mm. uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. I know. Look, it's amazing. It was just like, as I said, you know, it's the practice and, and the simplicity of it because I thought, oh, it can't just be like this. But I know even through sobriety that I've rewired my brain. I've made new pathways. You can get to that place and my mum used to love it she said she used to say to me I'm going to walk down the garden path and and visit the roses and that was her meditation that was mm -hmm. her visualization and she was propagating roses at the time you know I mean it actually said custom design just like the sobriety path you know what works for you mm -hmm. um now we know that a lot of yoga and meditation has with the stress let's talk about anxiety and stress mm -hmm. because we know that Thoughts fester, frustration, I do believe, just manifests into anxiety. It does for me. Mm -hmm. And it's how do you bring yourself back from that? That was my that was my issue. Once I was on that frustration path, mm -hmm. and especially drinking and everything, the anxiety was just terrible. I it was almost like it was uncontrollable, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I could not I couldn't meditate in the end, no, not even close. <laughs> Now, anxiety is really interesting. And I, I've been very open with this community about my own mental health issues. So um, I have a diagnosed mood disorder, I have bipolar disorder, and I have generalized anxiety disorder. So if I can meditate, you can, I'm going to say that. But here's the thing about anxiety. And everybody feels anxiety differently. But I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. how I feel it and how meditation helps me. 
Um, the first thing that I'm going to say is that I'm not saying that meditation will cure your anxiety. Right. Okay? Anxiety um, has many root causes, situational um, and also in your brain. Okay. Yep. Meditation, you want to think of this as a tool. Okay. Right. It's an yep. option. So I'm not saying that if you meditate, your anxiety will go away. Okay. I am saying that if you meditate, this can be a tool that can maybe help you manage your anxiety because there have been times in my life where my mental health has not been well and meditation did not have the desired effect that I wanted. Often it does, but there can be moments where it doesn't. So for example, panic attacks, it's kind of hard mm -hmm. to stop in the middle of a panic attack right. and sit there and meditate. That was but, me, yeah, yeah. But with anxiety, um, personally, I feel anxiety very uh, strongly in my chest. So the first sign of anxiety for me is I start feeling like my clothes are too tight. Like my bra is too tight. Like I have to take off my bra. I have to take off my clothes. I just feel like completely constrained, especially around my chest. And what's happening there is that without me realizing it, my breathing has changed quality. I'm probably taking short gaspy breaths. I'm not mm -hmm. getting a good inhale. I'm not getting that oxygen. My muscles aren't getting that oxygen. And what's happening is that those little muscles in between your ribs, the intercostal muscles, they're starting to spasm, right? And every time that you're taking these short and kind of gaspy breaths, those muscles are kind of trying to expand as you're breathing, but they're spasming at the same time. And so that's why it hurts. Okay. And so I've actually been at the point where like, I'm having chest pain. Like I think like I've gone to the hospital thinking that I was having heart attacks before. Mm, mm. Um, but that's how I experience anxiety. And so what I do now is that as soon as I start noticing that my clothing is feeling constricting or tight, I immediately start to change the quality of my breath. And I use the technique that I talked about earlier, which was just trying to make your inhales and exhales the same length. Stop your chest from working too hard, too fast, okay? And so what that's gonna do is it's gonna put your breathing a little bit more even keel. Maybe you can only breathe in for a count of three and out for a count of three. Maybe that's all you can do. Personally, I can breathe in for a count of eight and exhale for a count of eight when I am not anxious. But when I'm anxious, sometimes I can only breathe in for three seconds mm -hmm. and breathe mm -hmm. out for three seconds. So that's the first thing I try to do. The next thing that I try to do is I try to really invest myself into focusing on my breath to the point where I'm actually trying to distract myself from my own anxiety. <laughs> so this is where introducing um, some type of a mantra can come in. I do not find it helpful when I'm experiencing anxiety to attempt to stop, to just stop. So I don't try to lie down and do a guided meditation when I'm feeling anxious, because that's it's asking you to just stop, right? I find that I try to 
do some of the more active meditation techniques where I am consciously choosing to do something because it's going to distract my thoughts. So the first thing I do is try to control for my breath. Then I will try to maybe control my breath in a different way. You mentioned box breathing before we started recording here. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, um, it's called pranayama. And that is the um, Sanskrit term for basically modifying or manipulating the breath. And this box breathing would be inhaling for maybe a count of three. So inhale, one, two, three. Hold your breath, one, two, three. Exhale, one, two, three. Hold, one, two, three. And you just kind of keep that. And so all of a sudden you're kind of imagining that you're drawing this little box. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I try to do as well, um, this depending on how much success I'm doing or I'm having is I sometimes try doing, uh, they're called mudras, which is a hand gesture. Um, and a mudra is helps to complete an energy circuit. So the translation for a mudra is a seal. You're sealing your energy. So I will sometimes try to seal my energy by doing a mudra. The most common one that you see with yoga would be the, you know, the namaste hands where you put your palms together. Some people don't like this one. They feel it's a little bit too religious. But again, like I said, you're sealing your energy. So when I bring my hands together, my palms together, Nothing outside is getting in. I've sealed my energy. The only energy that exists right. is already within me. So external things are not impacting me because I have sealed my energy off. And sometimes that gives me just a feeling of relief. It makes me feel like protected. Mm -hmm. um, another good one uh, would be even like joining the finger, fingers and the thumb. It's mm -hmm. called the Gyan Mudra. Or another thing that you can try to do is um, combining a mantra with a mudra. And one of my favorites, and I learned this from the author Gabrielle Bernstein, um, and it's called The Peace Begins With Me. And you tap the tips of your fingers together. So you tap the index finger with the thumb, then tap the middle finger with the thumb, I'm doing this listeners. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then tap the ring finger with the thumb mm -hmm. and then tap the pinky with the thumb. So you do that over and over again. So tapping each finger with the thumb over mm. and over again. And now you can add some words. You can do peace begins with me and you're tapping each finger with each word peace begins with me and you don't have to use peace begins with me but you by tapping your fingers the tips of your fingers with your thumb you're creating kind of like this pattern and this is a hand gesture and a mudra so it's it's helping to it, it's energetic right and whatever words you choose to put with it. So the piece begins with me. So you want to deal with like, you know, maybe four words. Um, I use the Sanskrit, which is satana. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's just an example. I just use random sounds. Like, you know, you don't have to, this doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> right. So um, I find that when I am choosing to move or alter my body and add some words and then add some breath, I can't do that unless I am focusing on it. And initially right. that takes effort, but if I keep on doing it, it will become automatic. I will get lost in it. And before you know it, Hey, I've flirted with the present moment. And so having an active choice for meditation for me, um, I don't do yoga when I'm, um, feeling anxious, but I do sometimes do gentle moving meditations or just like I said, tapping the tips of my fingers together. And, but that's helpful information. If like, when I talk to my psychiatrist, if I can tell her that, um, working on my breathing is not helping my anxiety that's information for my doctor mm -hmm. and for me that, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's something going on here. Um, but, or I might say, you know, my breathing techniques are working very well with my anxiety that demonstrates like, you know, my, my wellness. And so it's all information. It's all valuable information. And so different people need different things when they're, when they're anxious, I need to distract myself from my head and my body. And I find subtle ways to do that. And that sometimes helps me. But uh, like I said, you know, different scenarios, different situations warrant different responses, and every person is different. But an anxious person can absolutely meditate. It's just a matter of finding the right meditation for you. The one just sitting in silence probably isn't for you. Look for something like a mantra. Look for something that has a different breathing technique. Try a walking meditation um, because those types of meditations are, it's more preventable that your thoughts won't go all monkey mind. Wow. That's so much. That's amazing, you know, because, and it's a great place for someone like me to start. And maybe some of the listeners who are like me, and I've even found myself with the finger one, I wanted to go faster, which tells yeah. you I am really not good at this. Yeah. It takes control. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to have to practice that and I'm going to. So yeah. what I think we should do, because you've really given us so much just to work with just in this first episode, I'm going to want you to promise me that you'll come back and we're going to do a series of these because I think that we need to practice out there. What you've given us is just fantastic. If you've given us so many ideas just to start off with, so, and we didn't even cover yoga or anything like that. So I think what we'll do is we'll just say goodbye for now and we'll just sum up this one. Listeners, go and practice what Cece has said. She's got I'll so much. I'll give you much. a link, maybe a link to the Peace Begins yeah, With absolutely. Me practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. No, and guys, what we'll do is we'll put the link up on SoberTownPodcast.com and while you're there, have a look at all the other stuff that is there. But self-care is really important on this journey and it's something that I am now going to practice and mm -hmm. get better at. And I just want to thank you just for spending your time today and you promise you'll come back and see me soon and talk to me about this Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Lovely, lovely. All right, listeners, we're going to say goodbye for now. 
just replay this, listen to it, go to Sobertown, have a look around. I hope that everything there can help you on your journey. It's certainly helping me. And this is King13 signing off and we will speak to you next time. So tune in and see what else we're going to bring to you because it's going to be exciting.